Have you ever sat in a meeting and wondered to yourself, why on earth did they decide to do it this way? But you don't say anything and later kick yourself for not speaking up. Doesn't matter the leadership position, difficult conversations are extremely hard to navigate. And that is why I have the author of the new book, Poking the Bear, with Mr. Dave Schmidow. And he's here with me today to break down effective communication strategies for tough conversations. Now, before we begin our conversation, this past week, the podcast turned five years old, which is absolutely crazy. I just want to say real quick, thank you for supporting the show and helping expand this growing community of aspiring leaders. I'm so excited for the future of the podcast and how I can help leaders all over the world. If you need any support, please feel free to reach out to me at joshua at teachbetter.com. Now, this episode is brought to you by Pop Rob's Coffee. Start your day off right with the world's finest coffee. Rob has hand-selected the freshest beans from the best farms around the world, and he takes great pride in creating the perfect blend for a rich and delicious flavor. Whether you prefer a bold, dark roast or a smooth, medium roast, Papa Rob's Coffee is sure to give you the boost you need to tackle your day. Head over to PapaRob'sCoffee.com, use the code ASPIRE15, and you'll get 15% off your entire order. Order now and experience the true taste of coffee perfection. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua underscore Stamper. Aspire to Lead listeners, you are in for a treat because I have a very good friend, a Teach Better teammate, and someone I absolutely love to hang out with. Mr. Dave Schmidt, thank you so much for being on the Spiderly Podcast. Absolutely, man. Anytime you call or message me and say, hey, let's hang out, I don't care what the reason is, I'm there. So I'm happy to do this today. Well, that happened not too long ago. I called you and I was in Alabama. I was like, Dave, you want to hang out? And I got to see you in person once again. And it was such a phenomenal time to see you. I only get to see you. I mean, it seems like now it's like, what, once a year? Oh, we got to start doing it more often than that, though. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot that happens in between our visits. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we can connect today and fill in some of the gaps. Well, since the last time you were on the show, a lot has happened. So, I mean, I think it was episode 95 for Aspire listeners. If you haven't listened, go back. Dave shared so much. Really, you were extremely vulnerable during that time because you were talking about a lot of failures in the past and your journey. However, if they didn't have a chance to listen to that episode, I would love for them to be introduced to you. Will you just share your leadership and educational background? Absolutely. So first of all, this is like, excuse my language here, this is like the BS filter. People are going to be able to compare if what I'm saying now matches with what I said a couple of years ago, because I don't remember what I said. So it, what, what do they say? If you tell the truth, you never have to remember anything. So let's see if this is if this all adds up. But how you doing, everybody? I am Dave Schmidt. I've been in education for two and a half decades now. I'm, I started teaching back before No Child Left Behind was a thing, back before the internet was a thing, back before ESSO was a thing, back before the pandemic. So I've been doing this for a while. In that time, I've had almost every job you could imagine. Started off as a middle school classroom teacher, was a dean of students, athletic director, assistant principal, a principal at multiple levels, an assistant superintendent, a college professor, an adjunct, a team member for the Teach Better team, a friend of Joshua Stamper. Really, I, I've, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of things professionally. And then on the personal side, four incredible kids and a wife that keeps everybody in check. So life is good, man. Well, and since then, you've written an amazing book or co-authored an amazing book, Poking the Bear, which I know is going to be a, kind of our leading piece to our conversation today. So congratulations on that. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I've, I've 
had the opportunity to ride shotgun with uh, the incredible Caitlin Giordano. So people, if you don't know Caitlin Giordano, you got to look up Caitlin Giordano. She is phenomenal. She's somebody that that I completely admire. We see life differently, but yet we see it the same. At, at the same time, I don't know if that makes any sense to people, but we agree on a lot. And the things that we agree on are, we got to be free to, to share your thoughts, share your ideas, get people to, to push back. But we disagree on a lot of ideas. We disagree on a lot of policy and procedures and that's what makes it so fun. And neither one of us likes to back down. We have a lot of conversations online and, and on the phone where we just debate and we discuss, but at the same time, we have the utmost respect for each other and we absolutely adore each other. So we said, how about we put a book out there where we can share our, our different thoughts and opinions on some some topics and hopefully encourage other people to to weigh in at the same time. So it's really, it's a book that just in, allows people to engage in some critical conversations and quote unquote, poke the bear. So it's a, it was an amazing process and I'm so happy that it's out in the world now. Well, Caitlin's amazing and you're right. Uh, I always enjoy your guys' conversation. I, I remember the series Focus to the Focus. Uh, it was such a good, you know, series online. And then, you know, I, I think of you two almost like the yin and the yang, right? Like you are <laughs> completely opposite. However, you fit together and it just makes this like beautiful conversation piece. And uh, the book is so powerful because, you know, not only is it, like you said, challenging the status quo of education, a lot of components there, but it's also, you know, getting to the point where you need to have these critical conversations and we can't be scared of that. And I love that so much. And I really want to start the conversation there. So, you know, what are some conversation pieces that you think every leader should have that maybe they're too scared to have? Because, you know, education has changed rapidly, as we all know, since the pandemic. But there's also a lot of conversations that are in the forefront that are being ignored. And I know that's touched on in the book. So what are some things that you would advise people to have in regards to critical conversations? All right. Well, Pandora's box was just opened up here. But I think uh, let me just talk directly to our leaders that are out there. Leaders, I think that we do a disservice to teachers and to all stakeholders when we spend a lot of our time and energy trying to get people to buy in to things. I'm a big believer that if you get people to weigh in, you don't have to spend nearly as much time getting people to buy in, right? There's there's a lot of people these days that will make statements that I think are, are important and powerful, but I think we we blow them away, sort of like, remember your why. And we use this as some, some big uh, thought exercise where we're supposed to remember why we got into teaching. But I would challenge people to say, remember your why regarding any policy, practice, procedure, or task that you have in a classroom or in a school? Why do you have teachers do anything? Why do you have that grading practice? Why do you have that assessment practice? Why do you have that classroom management philosophy? Why do you do the things that you do? Why do you expect teachers to communicate? Why do you have that dress code? Why? And we don't communicate the why nearly enough. Well, a lot of times we do that, that shameful leadership practice that reminds me of that shameful parenting practice of just do it because I said so. Do it because of who I am and the authority that I have to tell you to do something. And we wonder why we sometimes get pushback or why when the door closes, people don't follow along because we have these strategic plans. We've got these amazing mission statements. We say our school is a family, but in reality, a lot of our schools from our practices and our actions are more tyrannical organizations than anything else. So get people to weigh in and then actually follow up on their weighing in with action, not just lip service, nods of the heads and moving forward. So the bottom line is everything. <laughs> challenge everything. I love it. There you go. The reason I, I love talking with you, Dave, is because you are unfiltered, right? And that's that's what I love. Uh, Admin Mastermind happens every Tuesday morning. You are in attendance like 
100 mm-hmm. percent of the time pretty much which i love because you know you you're not afraid to ask questions you know you just want to have those conversations regardless and we as leaders sometimes are scared of confrontation and you know it gets messy and you know relationships are messy so yeah you know for those who are fearful of potential responses and you know, maybe a negative reaction to crucial conversations, what are some things that they can do to at least broach the conversation, but also get a response that's not going to be potentially hurtful? No, absolutely. So I'll give you I'll give you a few. So feel free to shut me up at any time. I think, first of all, it's a lot easier for people to evaluate other people's thoughts and ideas than it is to reflect and engage in your own personal dialogue, right? So if you're a leader, Sometimes there's safety in simply saying, here is somebody else's thoughts or ideas. Let's react to their opinions. Let's react to what they're doing. Let's look at their schedule. Let's look at their policy. Let's look at their beliefs. And then you allow people to weigh in on somebody else's beliefs. Because oftentimes as leaders, we say, here's something I believe. Does anybody have pushback? Does anybody have a reaction? And we put people in a, a very awkward situation when we do that, where now they have to question, am I willing to engage in directly disagreeing with my boss, with my leader, my authority figure, or am I going to try to rally the troops so it's almost like a rebellion and a mutiny by saying I disagree? And nobody needs to be in that situation. We need to separate ideas from the people. Put the ideas on the on the table and not the people. So I would challenge you to find examples or find ways that you can bring people in through a lot of different protocols. And I'm happy to share protocols with people at any time that allow people to truly challenge objective thoughts and ideas without anybody having to individually own the thoughts and ideas. So question ideas, not people as a first and probably most important lesson or exercise throughout the entire process. Second one I would say is I'm a big believer in triangle leadership. I believe that leaders don't have to make every decision. They simply have to put the right people around the table to make the decision, right? And in my leadership journey, one of the things that that I practiced was triangle leadership. Which means in any time there was a, a big decision, and big is, is relative, it's subjective, but anytime there was a big decision that would impact multiple people, I would always have at least two other people involved in the decision making, aside from me. So there would always be three people, tri- a triangle. Those other two people could always outvote me. It wasn't my way. I would always um, bring a triangle together, and I would always find at least two other people to help weigh in on the decision. And then we all collectively support the decision going forward. It was my job to make sure that those two other people were strategic. They were emotionally invested in the decision. They were, they were thoughtful. They were logical. They had all the information needed to make the decision. I think too many times in our schools, we have leadership teams or strategic teams or whatever we want to call them that make all decisions or offer all recommendations, even beyond their level of expertise. It's just people that are that signed up to be part of a committee and now all year long, no matter the decision, they're involved in it, even if it's not their air, their area of expertise or wheelhouse or they don't have a vested interest. So leaders have to be strategic on who they bring to the surface and then keep track. I literally had a blue binder that I would keep track of who I was bringing into which conversations so that I can make sure that I was spreading the wealth, bringing different people into the conversations throughout the year, throughout my tenure in different schools so that people with expertise know how would be brought into conversations, but it wasn't always the same people. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, I want to go back to questioning everything. (laughs) Sure. I don't know why, but like the scene from Big 
where he's sitting at the table and the guy does a presentation and he keeps asking, I don't get it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. continue to ask. It's similar to like when I was new on my campus, when I switched districts, I was just asking why all the time because I just didn't mm -hmm. understand like, mm -hmm. okay, this, there sounds like there could be other options of doing this that might be more effective or efficient. So explain to me why we're doing it this way. And as being someone new, that's an easy question to ask because it's like, you know, getting acclimated to the culture and the policies that are occurring on that campus. But I'm, I'm just looking at if you're saying question everything and someone needs to assess the decision-making process or policies are already in place, is there mm -hmm. something that you would advise them to do? And you said protocols, so maybe that's the direction we need to go, but to actually start that process to, and like, if they're truly going through and not having any bias and going in and mm -hmm. assessing like, and having these crucial conversations, like what, what's the first steps there? Yeah. So first of all, when you said big, I thought that you were going to call me Zoltar or something and you were going to pop a quarter and ask me to grant you a wish. So that's for like people that have no idea what we're talking about right now. Go back. I think it was 1984, Tom Hanks in his glory days, whatever. Go watch big. It's a classic. It's great. Anyway. So yeah, questioning everything. There are some people that think I can't do this because they, people will push back on literally everything I present. And I know this, there will be some people that will challenge every single thing that you present. There are people that are currently challenging every single thing you do, which is another reason why, as a leader, I don't support the idea of having an open door policy, which is a whole nother conversation, right? I, I know this is something I've been preaching for a decade now, but open door policies simply encourage the same people to come down and complain constantly. They cause you to lose focus. They cause you to, to be distracted. They come down and say things like, no, Dave, I don't believe this, but everybody else thinks, which is a bunch of BS, whatever. I think it's important that you allow people, number one, to have think time. If you're going to have a question, if you're going to have something brought forth on an agenda in a group, in a large group, in a small group, people need to have time to process or to think about their, their decisions, to think about their opinions before they're put on the spot. If you throw something out at a staff meeting, at a leadership meeting, at a department meeting, and for the first time, people are hearing some information, they're hearing about a change, they're hearing about a philosophy, and then in that moment, you're saying, tell me your thoughts. And this is your moment to speak now or forever hold your peace. We're going to make a decision when we're done. You have not allowed people to truly have an opportunity to formulate their thoughts. They have the, the right. They have the, the need to process, to think, to communicate, to share before they come together. That's number one. Number two, when people do come together, always give people time, space, and ability to formulate their own thoughts before they turn and talk to somebody else. Anytime you uh, give people the opportunity to just start talking, to start sharing, you automatically create this filtered process where people are now weighing their reactions and their thoughts to everybody else. It's like the teacher in the classroom that asks a question of the class and little Johnny throws his hand up and the teacher says yes or no to that kid. Now, every other kid in that classroom is thinking about what Johnny just said and how their answer supports or negates what Johnny said. The same thing happens in schools with adults. We filter our thoughts by how are other people going to perceive what I have to say and how does my thinking line up with them as opposed to my own original thoughts. So if you ask questions, if you throw an idea out there, say dress code, today we're going to talk about student dress code. And I'm really curious about shorts and or let's let's talk Crocs. Do Crocs have a place in our school? First of all, Crocs don't have a place in society. But if you're debating Crocs in school, do they have a place? Give teachers the opportunity to individually write down their thoughts and their ideas before you start saying, let's just open this up for conversation. Because you will always have people on the polar ends that share their thoughts, their horror stories, their anecdotes that they believe now paint 
an accurate picture for everybody. So individuals share their thoughts and ideas. Follow protocols like plus minus delta, where um, I know it's a protocol that I use all the time where people get to, they have to identify positives about a policy or plan. Then they can share some negatives about a policy or plan. And then the delta is something that they would change about a policy or plan. And every single person has to respond to that. And then you as the leader can synthesize that information, bring it back to people and say, this was my synthesis of everybody's responses. Now let's discuss that. With relative anonymity, where it's not Mrs. Smith and Mrs. Jones having to respond, you have now synthesized their responses and you ask for feedback on that. So give everybody the opportunity to share their input and their voice. So one or two teachers don't dominate, one or two opinions don't dominate. All right. So to the listeners, Dave Schmidt is a wealth of information in regards to policies and procedures and protocols like he's been talking about. So if you have any questions or you want to follow up with him, of course, he is actually going to respond to you. So please make sure that you reach out and we'll talk about his information at the end of the podcast. But buddy, uh, since we're poking the bear, you brought it up, open door policy. So what <laughs> would you do in replacement of that? Ooh, yeah, an open door policy. So let me rewind. I used to believe in open door policies. I used to practice that until I realized exactly what I just said. It was the same people coming down at the same time. It, literally the, the day after a staff meeting, the same people would come in and speak on behalf of everybody or, and say, that I've had lots of conversations with a lot of people and they come in and I started to believe, okay, this person is speaking for everybody until I realized that oftentimes wasn't the case. Or they would come down just simply because timing was convenient to them with no reflection on if it was convenient for me. So one of the things that I implemented in my schools, plural, is number one, I focused on my secretary, who my secretary was always my right hand. They, were, they had to be the most amazing person in the building because they're the front line. They greet, they meet, they set the, the tone and culture for staff, for parents, for everybody. So my secretary was, was given the power to control my calendar. My calendars were set up in a way where we strategically created what I call the green, yellow, red system on my calendar. So I always had a public facing calendar. Um, my calendars were set up so that about 80% of my calendar was what I would call green. A green on my calendar meant I'm open. You can come talk. You can come share. We can have conversation. I would also have maybe 10 or 15% of my calendar that I consider to be yellow, meaning Dave is busy. He's doing other things. He might be in classrooms. He might be in the lunchroom. He might be at the bus duty. He might be doing something, but you can still come talk to him. You can walk with him. You can see what's going on in the school and we can con continue to have some amazing conversations. And then my secretary was very, very intentional about making sure that only five to 10% of my calendar was considered to be red time, which was time that was blacked off. Sorry, he's meeting with the superintendent. He's meeting with an irate parent. Nobody can interrupt him during this time. She was also extremely good. Every Friday, we'd look at the upcoming week's calendar and make sure that those green times or those yellow times fluctuated and they floated. They weren't always before school. They weren't always during second hour. They weren't always during the one to two o'clock timeframe because when you have that same time every day that's set up, you're only allowing certain people that have the same availability to come down and talk to you. It's only the, the teachers that don't have kid responsibilities before school that can come in before school to talk to you. It's only those teachers that don't have bus duty after school that can come talk to you. It's only those teachers that have that certain lunch duty that can come talk to you if you're free from 11 or 12. So she was very good about readjusting and uh, making sure that my, my schedule fluctuated. And again, making sure that I was intentional about my time. If I thought 
some time on my calendar should have been read where I couldn't talk to, to certain people, she'd say, mm, I think you can have somebody come do that evaluation with you. What if you had Mrs. Smith sit down next to you in that classroom and you you shared notes? Awesome. So she would be very focused on allowing my yellow time to be transparent. What that does is it allows teachers and all stakeholders to see what your priorities are so they can truly see how much of your time you're doing different activities throughout the day. And it's also it also allows multiple people to have opportunities to come meet you, greet you, and see you throughout the course of the day. So just simply adjusting your timelines and making what you do transparent for all allows people to be more focused and strategic about the things they're bringing to you. And they're going to make sure that the stuff they're bringing to you aligns with what they see you doing day in and day out. Love it, man. Great suggestion. Something I wish I would have implemented myself. <laughs> I think it would a lot easier. <laughs> well, it, it, I'm going to tell it, it is it's a challenge to set up. And the conversations you have to have with your admin assistant or your secretary, you have to defend why you consider things to be green, yellow, or red, why you think certain things are important. And when she's when you give her the, the carte blanche or him the carte blanche to truly question your why, to question your intentions, or to question why you're closing your door, or why you're not available to the teachers or to parents at certain times, it's a vulnerable place to be, but it's the important place to be. All right, buddy, I want to talk about your book a little bit more because you sure. know we've touched on it a little bit. The book is really, really powerful, but you talk a lot about various subject matter yeah. within the book. So will you just kind of give a synopsis of you know where the conversation went within the book and then also what was kind of the target audience? Absolutely. So so you live in Texas right now. I live in Florida right now. Where Where we live, there tends to be this belief that there are some things you can't talk about in schools. Let me first tell you that Poking the Bear is not a book trying to challenge those principles. What this book is designed to do is get teachers to talk to other teachers, get educators to talk to other educators, get administrators to talk to other administrators about the things that matter most. And it's not a big push. There's no propaganda in here. We're not trying to, to get people to change political beliefs. It's stuff like your grading practices. Does homework have a place in your classroom? Should you ever loan kids pencils? Should you, how often should you communicate with parents? Do parents have a place in your classroom? It's pedagogy, it's practices, it's behaviors and beliefs. And this, this is not a traditional education book where we say, this is like the Pinterest of, of education. Literally just photocopy everything you read in this book and put it in your classroom. Everything's going to be great. We are not trying to tell, tell anybody that our ideas are right. Every single thing. I think we have 23 or 24 different topics in this book. Caitlin shares her opinion. I share my opinion. Then there's a space for people to react and say, what did you like about Caitlin's opinion? What did you like about Dave's? What did you not like? What did you not like? So on and so forth. And then what are your beliefs? The goal is for this to create a space similar to what I described early on for educators to have those conversations. We give you the space to agree or disagree with somebody else so that you can form your own opinions and then talk about those. Because research tells us collective teacher efficacy is the single greatest driver towards student success. Collective efficacy does not mean that dirty F word of fidelity. It doesn't mean everybody's doing things the same way. It means that teachers collectively come together and rally around the things that they consider to be the most important. Just like I want my own kids to go up and be self-efficacious. I want them to know how to change their own tire. I know, want them to know how to change the batteries in the smoke alarm. I want teachers to be um, self-efficacious as well, to know why they're doing what they're doing and know how to do things. And then collective efficacy for teachers to come together collectively and make those decisions. That's what the book is designed to do. It's designed to increase collective efficacy, not to change politics, not to change a, a bunch of personal beliefs, but to change practices in classrooms. 
So powerful. So definitely check out this book, Poking the Bear. It's amazing. I have it on my shelf with the other 20 Dave Schmidt books that uh, <laughs> I own. Dave, actually, let's talk about that real quick. So you do have a couple other books. So, you sure. know, um, and I also know you're speaking all over the country about several topics. So, you know, what are your passions in regards to, you know, when you're going to a district or you're going to a conference yeah. to speak, what are you speaking on? So you mentioned earlier that the idea of focus on the focus, right? And I think when it comes down to it, everything I talk about, everything I write about comes down to that focus on the focus, whether we're talking bold humility, or it's like riding a bike or making assessment work. All of those books come down to helping people identify priorities. When I do my conversations around standards-based grading or assessment, it's truly, do you know what kids know? Have you identified the most essential things for kids to know? Have you identified your priorities? When I work with leadership teams around the country, we're talking about strategic plans and how do you identify the most important work for your school going forward? When you're using data to become more data literate, how do you know what data to use? How do you know which data is the most accurate? It really comes down to focusing on the focus, identifying your priorities, making sure that your priorities are clearly articulated, that you have clear and transparent measurements of your goals, and that you understand and everybody else understands why those things are important. That's what it comes down to is have a clear focus and make sure that your focus is on the focus. Make sure that you're truly focusing on the things that matter most. I want to touch on your podcast also because sure. it's a powerful piece of content that people need to be subscribed to and listening to. So let's go back to maybe uh, why you started <laughs> in the first place and how can they find it? Yeah. So when we were talking early on, we, were, we started this conversation offline talking about my failures. And I've had a lot of failures in my life. One of the failures that I had early on with my podcast is I started this podcast thinking people care what Dave Schmidt has to say. <laughs> no, no, they don't. Um, my own family didn't listen to my podcast early on. I would send a link to my mom and she wouldn't listen to my podcast. Like It was Dave Schmidt sitting in an office pontificating and preaching to himself, making himself feel so smart and nobody was listening. And you can truly trace the success, quote unquote, of the podcast with my own personal journey, right? When I was pontificating and thinking I had a lot of great things to say, nobody cared. Nobody listened. And this is a great lesson for leaders. Leaders, when you pretend to think that you have all the answers for things, fewer people will come to you with questions, right? It's when you open yourself up and present yourself with some vulnerability that more people will lean into you and truly request your leadership. So my podcast took an evolution, took a, took a shift. And it shifted from me feeling like I had all the answers to me seeking out people that I thought could teach me some things about life. Podcast is called Lasting Learning. And the real goal is for me to find people in education and beyond that have things that they can teach me. And it, it's, it's weird how podcasting works, where if you reach out to people, you slide into their DMs, if you will, and say, hey, can we hang out? There are a lot of people that will reject you. But if you say, hey, but can I record it and let the world hear our conversation? They say yes. So I use the podcast to reach out to people that I admire just to, to glean some information from them. I, I've had Melissa Bernstein from Melissa and Doug Toys, for example, on my, on my show, who has this amazing story. I, Todd Whitaker, um, who's somebody that I know a lot, of us, a lot of us know, who gave me some amazing personal and professional wisdom. Jessica Leahy, for example. I've had an a, a Olympic gold medalist on. Uh, it's just amazing people that teach me lessons about life that I can then transfer into schools and into classrooms, into my own personal life, into whatever the profession is. And I use it selfishly and hope that it amplifies their message as well as impact other people as well. 
So that link will be in the show notes. Make sure that you click on it. Take a listen if you aren't subscribed. Got to do that now. It's a brilliant piece of content, like I said. And Dave, I want to ask you a question real quick that I ask all my guests, which is if you know there's an aspiring or current leader listening and they can do something tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would you advise them to do? All right, this is a big one. It's a hard one. Leaders, listen up. Only ask if you plan to act. I hate it when leaders ask for opinions of people and they don't act upon the suggestions and the opinions of the people they ask. Don't put out a survey unless you're actually going to activate on the survey. Don't ask the opinions of people just so that you can get defensive and push back on what you are already planning to do. If you already have a decision made, then make the decision. Only ask for people's input if you truly plan to listen to their input. It's good advice if you're hiring somebody right now and you've got a committee together, only have a committee there if you're actually going to listen to them. Don't pull a curriculum committee together unless you're planning on listening to them. Only ask if you're willing to act. Brilliant, my friend. All right, so obviously people are going to listen. They're going to want to connect with you on social media. So how can they do that? Yeah, if you can figure out how to spell my last name, we're going to be connected. So it's at Dave Schmidow on all the things. Schmidow is S-C-H-M-I-T-T-O-U. But at Dave Schmidt on Instagram, on Twitter. You can find it on Facebook. You can find me online, schmidt.net, all the places, truly. Dave at teachbetter.com. You can email me. You've got my, Josh, put my phone number in the show notes too. I don't care. Reach out to me. Um, I would love to connect. I would love for you to challenge me. I'd love for you to grow me. I Just push back, challenge, inspire. I want to continue to grow. So reach out and connect any way you can. Yeah, definitely reach out. You can find the Lasting Learning Podcast on schmidt.net. I mean, obviously, I'll have everything in the show notes also. And and when Dave says throw his phone number into the show notes, he's actually not kidding. Dave, you've been doing that for a little while, right? Yeah. You know, it started off as a joke when I would tell people, I don't have friends. Hey, reach out to me. And then people started to reach out to me. And I was like, oh, this is this is awesome. For some people, sending out a quick text um, is so much easier than trying to find somebody online. So Text me. If you want me to actually save your number after you text me, I'll save your number. We can become we can become buddies. But if you just want to send me some sort of text with a level of anonymity where it just becomes an unknown number, send me a text and we can talk, we can converse, we can share. All I mean, literally, uh, there's not a day that goes by where I don't get texts from people that are just asking some sort of question about leadership or or education or just connecting on something that I've shared on a podcast like this or in person at a training. So you're not alone. You're not going to be a creeper by reaching out, texting, calling. I spend a lot of time in airports and I get bored and lonely. So reach out. We can be friends. So when I said earlier that you can literally reach out and Dave will answer, I was not being facetious. And if you come to Florida for spring break or for summer and you want to reach out and say, hey, Dave, can we connect? The answer is yes. The first bushwhacker's on me. Let's go. Let's have some fun. Beautiful area that you live in. And man, I am just honored every day to not only work with you, but to call your friend. And you are doing some amazing work all over this country. And I just appreciate your time so much with what you're sharing, the vulnerability. You're going to be on a failure files here coming up soon. Can't wait to share that story. It was very, very powerful. So for the listeners, be aware of that coming soon. And Dave, I just thank you so much for all that you do. Absolutely, man. You are my hero. So it's always a pleasure to hang out with you. 